What's going on, NFL fans? Welcome to the NFL All 32 podcast, presented by Football Game Plan and the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. David Hassagan with you, as always, with Alex Marinoni, Troy Anthony, and the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Em- Gentlemen, how are we doing this morning? Are we feeling good? I know, Giants fan, you're kind of... You're kind of... <laughs> Danny- you calling me out, bro? Is, Dan- is Danny Dimes uh, still your savior, Lord and Savior, Danny, Danny Jones? <laughs> Danny, turnover right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a glorious week for me. I was about to say, it's a glorious week there's, a, there's a little bit more joy in certain parts of the studio because um, some keyboard GMs and keyboard warriors are fighting themselves on the wrong side of arguments for uh, for Mr. Well, Emery folks Hunt. just don't understand. You just got to, when you give a take and you're really grounded in your process and philosophy, you just sit back and let it play out. And mean, it normally plays out exactly how you planned it to. You mean doing research? Doing You'd research somehow how many people. Just fire off the hip and wonder why they miss a target. Hmm. Interesting. We might talk about that a little bit on this podcast. We're going to talk hot Listen, takes. My new name is Just the Facts. While everybody, <laughs> everybody else Twitter. just adjusts the facts. Just change it on Twitter. Just go to Just, just, just the Facts. <laughs> at Just the Facts at EmeryHunt.com. Real quick, did anyone get a uh, quote on Kurt Warner yet about Daniel Jones? Or oh, no. Still? I didn't see. Oh. Big, was Kuiper on, on, oh, his, no. what's on, on now? his stroll this morning? <laughs> I, I missed the Kuiper show. What's, what's I, I happened now? No, no, what's, no. We're just, we're just trying to figure out. We're, we're going to search the Twitter. Shout out in, to Dan Olofsky. In, in, in the look of hot for hot takes. <laughs> speaking speaking of hot takes, we had some weird... Uh, I know this is an NFL show. we got to talk about the weird week in college because we had a brawl in an FCS game. We had a player sent home on a bus at Clemson. What the hell has happened in the college football world that this is happening? In, in Illinois and Lovey Smith's beard. Well, it spilled over <laughs> to the NFL because you saw a lot of players get ejected for throwing a punch. Throwing punches this week. Kristen Wilkins, speaking of Clemson, uh, <laughs> threw a punch, got kicked out that game, and, you know. What was going through Freeman's mind, thinking he could take on Donald? Like, come on. Pick your battles wisely, guys. Pick <laughs> your battles Donald? wisely. Just, oh. the, dude, the dude trains with knives. <laughs> like, right. what are you doing? <laughs> Meanwhile, Clemson, I think, should start a boxing program because it seems to be a trend over there. It was funny because I, I I don't know if you guys seen it, the, the clip on Twitter, but uh, Master Test. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but I know his Master Test on Twitter. Um, he does these great segments where he's he's playing, you know, shooting pool with with players, and they're just having a frank conversation. And the last one he did was with Jamal Charles, and Jamal Charles was talking about how Larry Johnson, you know, when he they became cool, but when he got there as a rookie, Larry Johnson was kind of like giving him the business of rookie hazing. When he, you know, one day at practice, he forgot to bring the food. And he thought Larry Johnson forgot about it. And the next day, he found all his clothes in his locker in the shower, <laughs> in, in in the water. And so he was. He said, "Man, I was so ready to fight." And but then I looked at Larry Johnson like, "Man, he be a big dude. I can't fight him." <laughs> so he said he was calling his girlfriend, called his mom, trying to get them to talk about a fight them. But he said at the end of the day, he he didn't fight him. Um, but he, you know, they, they, uh, he got mad and stuff like that. But he said at the end of the day, uh, he was cool. He's like, but again, smart to pick your battles. Right. Like he's like, yeah, uh. I can't fight. This is a big dude. Like I ain't gonna be able to win. So I don't know why Freeman thought he could beat Aaron Donald, like a defensive lineman. I get like y'all might be around the same height. But no, it's like D lineman strength. No, like, you know, <laughs> you got, that's like wrestling with a bear, man. You, you could, you know, outside of dude on Twitter, but you can't. You can't really wrestle with somebody <laughs> like that. But you can start, certainly slam them on Twitter. You can't wrestle, but you can slam them. Yeah. So we'll get to that. We got some hot takes that we're going to have to address. And we might have a couple of our own. 
Mr. Marinoni is exact is uh he's got something in his, his leg shaking over there. Yeah. there with it, like, he's, 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 I gotta get it out. I gotta get it out worse. <laughs> he's a little he's a little nervous over there. But let's start with talking about week seven. Uh let's go through the scores here and we'll gotta start with Thursday night. Chiefs fans, breathe. Breathe. You're okay. We think. We think. Thirty to six, the Chiefs beat the Broncos. Mahomes goes down. It does not look like it's a serious injury. It might be a couple of weeks, but it could have been a whole lot worse. Chiefs snap a two-game losing streak, though. That was the most important thing. Yeah, and they got the win. Uh, it shined a light more so on Denver that they couldn't you know, take control Nothing. of that game Nothing. Uh, offensively. Shout-out to the Chiefs defense for getting the job done. Let's move on to the Falcons, and the meltdown continues in Hotlanta. They lose to the Rams 37-10. to um, Atlanta is quickly trying to get the number one pick right now in the draft. They look really, really bad. Yeah, Atlanta's in trouble. It doesn't look like anything is changing for them week in and week out. The Like you said, the meltdown continues, but not only does that continue, they, they also might be missing Matt Ryan for an extended period of time. Another starting quarterback goes down. So much for protecting quarterbacks in the NFL. It's certainly not looking that way. Bills get another win. They're 5-1, 31-21 over the Dolphins. Dolphins still winless. They put up a good fight in this ballgame, but Buffalo is for real. Yeah, uh, Dolphins gave them a little scare with the halftime lead, but... Buffalo looked like after that bye week they needed the first half to kind of get things going, mm-hmm. and the defense and the offense uh, seemed to wake up in the second half and take control of the game. By the way, I'm still waiting for this. I, you know, we talk about you know t- you know celebrations where you have the Lambeau leap and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm waiting for one Buffalo player to pull out a folding table from the <laughs> sideline, <laughs> check it on the wall, and in true Bills mafia fashion, jump off. The place would go ballistic if one player did that. Just a thought. B- Buffalo Bills, take note. Jaguars 27-17 over the Bengals. Bengals might be the worst team in the NFL. They're 0-7 for the first time since 2008. Do they get a win this season? They they will get a win this season, but I felt as though the Jaguars gave the Bengals multiple opportunities to win this ball game. And credit the Jags for fighting through an ugly performance to get the win. And quietly, the Minshew mania has steadily declined week after week. It's been the Leonard Fournette show that has gotten better yeah. and better each and every week. So, something to note. Another wild game in the NFC North. A tale of two wide receivers. Vikings beat the Lions 42-30. to Marvin Jones Jr. for Detroit. Four receiving touchdowns. Ties a franchise record with that mark. But Stephon Diggs, holy cow, another big game for Minnesota. Yeah, this was a great performance from both teams. And Diggs, yes, he put up the 142. They lost Thielen in the first quarter. That's a big loss. A big loss. And Dalvin Cook continues to perform, but Cousins continues his hot streak. Four <laughs> touchdowns on 337 yards passing. Talk about things we can no longer explain. Kirk Cousins is good once again at football. Moving on to Green Bay, the Packers 42-24 over Oakland. Packers continue to roll their 6-1. Rodgers looks like he's in in his prime still at this point. Yeah, one of the best performances of his career. A uh, little shocking in this one. I didn't think uh, a perfect passer rating with the way the Raiders' defense has been playing, been playing better, um, and coming off a bye week thinking they'd have that extra week to prepare for this. But uh, the Green Bay Packers' offense just did whatever they wanted and didn't help Derek Carr fumbling at the end of the half and letting Rodgers come down and score a nice 14-point swing for the Packers to help them. Big game in Indianapolis to keep an eye on. The Colts taking on the Texans. Indy gets the win, 30-23. Jacoby Brissett, four passing touchdowns. That's a career high for him. He continues to impress as a starter this season for Indianapolis. Glorious weekend continues, <laughs> even though there were some sacrifices in the midst of the battle. But when you look at this game, credit the Colts for getting the win. But if you are um, Kiki Cutie, you have to catch that ball at the end. Yeah, yeah. But I will say this, one of the best lines of the weekend came from uh, the Colts at the end of this game. An incredible catch by um, 
Edie. Uh, Eric Ebron. E- Eric Ebron. And Vinatieri saying, that's one of the best catches I've ever seen in my football career. And Ebron responding with, that really means a lot for a guy who's played the game for 85 years. An <laughs> <So, laughs> incredible catch and a great line from Eric Ebron. Let's move now to the Meadowlands. Chase Edmonds with a big game for Arizona. The Cardinals win 27-21. All of a sudden, they're at 500 mark. The fourth-round pick from Fordham was the big story of this game. And the Giants, all of a sudden, Daniel Jones has another swing and is not in a good direction. Now, if I told you that a team would hold the opposing quarterback to 132 total yards, you'd think there's no way that they lost that game. But leave it to the Giants with Danny (laughs) Danny Turnovers continuing to give the ball away. It will be Danny Turner's or Danny Dimes. It's a week-to-week thing. Uh, let's go to a throwback game, and it was a throwback for the weather. It was mud. It was defense. It was ugly. But it's a beautiful day for 49ers fans. They are 6-0, 9 over the Redskins. 6-0 for the first time since 1990. This was just an ugly ball game, though. Yeah, very ugly. Uh, one bright spot for the Redskins looks like is they got Peterson uh, able to be productive. Again, Bill Callahan uh, sticking to the run, even though they didn't really have a choice in this game, 81 yards. But, I mean, this is a game where I know the conditions were tough, but Jimmy G, let me see something. Yeah. Doesn't really do much, but enough to get the win. Trust in the running game and the kicking game. By the way, did you see that the uh, 49ers gave the ball to uh, the brother that was fired by the Redskins? They gave a game ball to, um, what's his name? The, the former Redskins. Uh, no, it was... It was uh, Oh, I forget what it was now. Like I, I saw it on Twitter, but they gave a game ball to somebody the Redskins had fired a couple years ago, and the 49ers gave him a chance. I forget who it was exactly. But How you bring it up and don't bring it up? <laughs> I, 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 no, I had it in my head, and then I just completely blanked on it. We'll, we'll, we'll edit that out later. We probably won't, but whatever. They, they just want to make it look bad. Titans taking on the Chargers. Ryan Tannehill, 312 passing yards. They get the win. It is against the Chargers, who are looking even worse and worse, but was this a red herring for Tannehill? I would say it's more along the lines of Chargers at the one-yard line not winning the game. I uh, thought they won the game three times over before they eventually that lost the game. That was a disaster. A disaster. And But, again, Ryan Tannehill is the quintessential iceberg lettuce stat stuffer. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's vegetables, but it's 99% <laughs> water content. These stats look great on the stat sheet, but – the Chargers still lost that game on the goal line. Oh, Shout out man. to Tannehill though for, uh, you know, completing passes and and you know and you know <laughs> doing his job. He did his job. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, another refing debacle at the end of that game though. No one knew what was going on. But hey, at least I'm not a player, so I can I won't get fined for saying something right. about accountability. Saints taking on the Bears. Teddy Bridgewater. Oh my goodness, 36-25. He leads the Saints to another win. Talk about hot takes. Is Drew Brees having going to have trouble getting his job back? Because Teddy Bridgewater's got this team clicking. That's a good question. Because at the end of the broadcast, they were they were kind of mentioning Brees that, is supposed to be back next week. Yeah, because Brees is supposed to be he's back, back next week. We'll see if there's a phantom reason why he can't play next week. But no Kamara. Latavius Murray gets the job done. One nineteen and two touchdowns on the ground. But my issue is Matt Nagy's game plan here. Mitchell Trubisky missed a couple of weeks, and this is his first game back. And you have fifty four passing attempts, and Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery collectively only carry the ball five times on the ground. Come on now. Something's got to something's got to change with that Chicago offense. They cannot continue this way. Ravens taking on the Seahawks. This is one of the matchups we really wanted to watch. Lamar Jackson does it again. 30 to 16 over a Seahawks team that's looked pretty much invulnerable most of the year. Baltimore, another team that is for real. All the hype was about Cleveland. It's the Ravens. 
Yeah, Lamar Jackson literally called takeover in the second half of this mm-hmm. game and did it all himself. But we'll get to that later. Really what I was impressed with was that Baltimore Ravens defense. The addition of Marcus Peters, he takes one back to the house on Russell Wilson, the first pick he's thrown all year. Yep. And they did a nice job all the way around. They limited Wilson and what he was able to do. And they were able to keep Carson at bay with just 65 uh, rushing yards. So yeah. looked like an old-school Ravens type of win with that defense. But And by the way, that was part of the glorious day, I'm sure, for you, Emery. Seeing bro, Lamar it was Jackson so go. glorious, bro. It was like... Sometimes you just wake up, the birds are singing, the sunshine. It's like, today is going to be a great day. I love the thing that you retweeted. It was like, put up a stat that Lamar Jackson has more rushing touchdowns than six NFL teams. And then somebody mentioned, oh, by the way, he's got more passing touchdowns than 20 NFL teams, but I guess that would be too hard. Yeah, it'd be that too hard. Just to like, oh, <laughs> too my. Too hard to talk about. Thank like, you very that's much. That's what it was so glorious, man. Speaking about more glorious, the Carson Wentz versus Dak Prescott show back in Dallas. Cowboys have dropped three in a row going into this game. Yeah, maybe they're sliding. Maybe it's time for a coaching change. Oh, hell no. 37-10. to 10, The Eagles get absolutely smoked. Dak Prescott had an incredible day. He now is the franchise leader in rushing touchdowns by a quarterback with 21. Outstanding from the Cowboys. Amazing what value you can find in the fourth round, right? Hmm. Um, <laughs> here's the thing when you, when, about this game. I thought... Even though the Cowboys jumped out to a big lead, 14 nothing, I kind of felt like the Eagles were never out this game because how quickly they got. Obviously, they were aided by two big penalties, but I felt as though they could easily get down the field a couple times. And even when it was 20-7, to, to seven, I was like, you know, the Eagles still can come back. But the second half, they just couldn't really get anything going offensively. And defensively, they couldn't cover Dallas. Dak was making some great throws, great win by the Cowboys. But I still think the Eagles – are going to be in the conversation for this yep. division because I don't – I just you don't, don't trust s- Dallas. I trust Dallas, but I think the Eagles aren't as bad as what we saw last night. Yeah, and it was a nightmare start for that game as well. Two turnovers in the first two drives. Let's continue that conversation. Though. Let's talk about Dak versus Wentz because for whatever reason, that was a topic of, oh, they might be pretty close to each other. It looked night and day. From, a, from an outsider's perspective, it looked like absolute night and day between these two quarterbacks last night. What did we see from these guys – now, obviously, you know, Emory, you think Wentz maybe had just had a bad day. He's better than what he was. Dak showed maybe why he's worth the money of the contract that he's looking for, and he didn't show it the last three weeks, but he did this past night. Here's what I hate. Uh, you hate a lot of things. Oh, I hate a lot of things. <laughs> you hate a lot of people. You hate a lot of things. It just, I just hate a lot of things that, that go – I hate the conversation. Because, or like the rough. All right, because here's what – Friday I was on a radio show, and – the guy, he was asking me to break down this, this game, this Eagles-Cowboys mm-hmm. game. And I gave a great analysis. And I was, he was like, who would you take, Carson Wentz or Dak Prescott? I was like, Dak Prescott easily because, you know, Prescott is better than Wentz as a football player. He stays healthy. And he has he's better in every statistical category than Carson Wentz. So I'm taking Dak Prescott. So every argument that you could possibly make, whether it's the stats one, the winning one, the leadership one. Everything. Points to Dak. Points to Dak. And so after I laid out this glorious, you know, answer backed by facts, the oh, guy was facts. like, man, you're, uh, you're really high on Dak Prescott. I'm like, bro, I just told you everything that I said was facts. <laughs> what is that? There's nothing about me being high. That's You can't debate facts. Those are the facts. The sky is blue. Fact. You can't argue that. And so you look at completion percentage, passing yards, yards per attempt, adjusted yards per attempt, passing touchdowns, interceptions, rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, fumbles, passer rating. Dak Prescott checks all those boxes more so than Carson Wentz. And if you add 
Jared Goff in the conversation, Prescott is still better. So the Cowboys got a bargain, and it feels like the goalpost just consistently gets moved. Well, we all know if Dak is worth the money. Meanwhile, the two guys that he's better than have gotten paid already and got paid handsomely. Mm-hmm. But we're still questioning whether or not Dak is worth Cousins. it. I think, I think that one of the reasons why <laughs> Dak is questioned so much is because he's wearing the star on his chest. You know what I mean? I mean, this yep. is a team who is constantly conversation, oh, they have the best line. Oh, they have one of the best running backs in the game. Are you better oh, than Aikman? Oh, now are you? Yeah, yeah. The, just the, the, the talent that Dallas has had for years, the talent that's put around him, people chalk that up to his success. When the fact of the matter is, you're an NFL quarterback. It doesn't matter if you have that or not. You're based off of what you do, what you produce. And the fact of the matter is, the kid has produced. And and, and I have to slightly disagree with you because they were the same questions about Russell Wilson. Oh, he just went because of run game and defense, even though they – had the same run game and defense. Those questions are happening now with Lamar Jackson. It's all the goalposts will always move, and it's so it's not if he played in Dallas or if he played somewhere else. It's because he plays the position unlike what we've seen at the position historically. There's a theme. There's a theme here, and they're going to constantly move those goalposts. What I mean by wearing a star on his chest, I mean the, t- the Dallas team right now, the, the amount of talent that's on that team. Like, yes, it was said about Russell Wilson because of the amount of talent that was on that team. You had beast mode at running back. You had that defense who was said to be carrying him to where he is. Well, now when that defense has changed so many times, beast mode is no longer there, you see Russell Wilson still doing it. Dak didn't have Zeke. He didn't have Amari Cooper. He had himself, and he got it done with that offense, with the pieces that he had. And you could also get into that situation and still suck. Like, you could be terrible. In, in a, We've seen guys that have had great running games, defenses, be terrible. We, we talked about that with the Minnesota Vikings with Christian Ponder. They've always had Adrian Peterson, always had a really good defense. Ponder was just the guy that just sucked. And so I think when you look at how they talk about Prescott – we talk about Wilson. We talk about Lamar Jackson. Talk about Jacoby Brissett. You know, you talk about Deshaun Watson. It's always yeah, but they will go into. They will legitimately say this. They will go and oh, yo, Dak. Yeah, Dak Prescott threw for five hundred yards. He but. went thirty for thirty. He five touchdowns. He had six rushing touchdowns that game. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, you know, he led his team to a comeback victory. But the real reason why Dallas won is when you look at the the long snapper and how effective he's been. According to Pro Football Focus, on the left hash, when the long snapper snaps the ball at a 33-degree angle, they win nine times out of ten. That, so That third-string center is huge. That That is the real reason why the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys won. Yeah, Prescott did all that in that game, but the long snapper, you can't overlook that. So I think they have to stop moving the goalposts for this whole thing. Uh, to to you know to move forward this conversation to move forward. I th- I think the water boy is key as well. The water boy is key to Dak Prescott's right. success. He has to mix the Gatorade <laughs> correctly. He's not like in Washington where he's uh, he's uh, you know stirring up the cups and doing whatever. So, and actually, Alex, that you mentioned something before we you know before we went on air here. You also mentioned with Carson Wentz, though, he didn't get any help from his offense at all in this game. Yeah, if you're trying to compare between the two quarterbacks just in this game, it was almost an unfair assessment with the amount of pressure that Wentz was going through all game and just couldn't do anything. Nobody on this offense could do anything all game. But in the end, to discredit all the time Dak Prescott, 
is just crazy to me. I mean, what he was able to do against that Eagles defense, yes, has been struggling. Just his mind alone was just so far superior than to what oh, people give far. him credit. I mean, he's, he sits there in the – I think they're in the red zone or deep into Eagles territory, and he sees that they're, uh, they're at cover zero now. And, you know, when you're going up against um, – to stop uh, – sorry, to stop Zeke. And, um, and he just right away just has a feel for his offense where he sees that, he backs it up, he – audibles out to quick slants because he knows there's not a single player on the Eagles team that could cover any of his receivers. And he just just made it look so easy just to check out of that. I mean, you see quarterbacks like Peyton and get uh, back in the day get all this credit for being able to change the play at the line and yeah. uh, completely change the play. Clearly they were running the ball with Zeke. Change the play completely on the line and just throw a dime and make a big-time throw. But it doesn't seem like Dak gets that kind of recognition for something simple like that where he just notices the defense and makes the that's right the play. genius that's the genius of the offensive coordinator according to the yeah, media. oh yeah because no, that, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's the Kellen Moore well, I mean, system like you saw you saw you see it in college the last two guys to win the Heisman Trophy at Oklahoma Kyle Murray Baker Mayfield and it was those guys individual talents now with Jalen Hurts having success it's the Lincoln Riley you know offense and his phenomenon you see it all the time and again we talk about it from a player's perspective, but you look at the coaching perspective. No one is going to give Mike Tomlin credit for winning the game with his third-string quarterback. Yep. <laughs> but they'll give Kyle Shanahan all the credit for putting a running back in motion and running the receiver in an orbit motion. Oh, my God, he's a genius. He put guys in motion. Oh, my God. Like, but So you see it from the coaching side. You see it from the player side. I think the listeners will know what I'm trying to say, but it's just interesting. Every time they meet, Dak Prescott is, what, 5-1? and one? when they play 90% of the snaps against one another, against Carson Wentz. So there's no excuse. Again, by any statistical measure, he is better. And people will say, oh, well, you know, Winston have his left guard. He didn't have his right tackle. Oh, the the defense just gave up a big play. Wentz's play has no bearing on the defense. Wentz's play is its own entity in a vacuum, and he's just not better than Dak Prescott. I'm not saying Wentz is garbage. I'm not saying Wentz is – Average. Wentz is a good player. Statistically, he has shown he's a good player. He just is not better than Dak Prescott, and that's okay. Well, you mentioned you mentioned stats. Let's throw in another stat with another quarterback here. That stat is five and zero. Oh. Teddy Bridgewater. Quarterback wins don't count, though, man. Come on. Come on. Uh, apparently, quarterback <laughs> wins don't matter whatsoever. Uh, but he has single-handedly taken a Saints team where, as soon as Drew Brees went down, the Saints season's over. There's no way the Saints can be effective. They might get up to eight wins. They might still make the playoffs. They're done, though. There's no way they can do anything. Teddy Bridgewater has turned himself into an incredible leader for this team. And the question is now, what is his future in New Orleans? Because nine times out of ten, you're going to say, okay, Drew Brees is coming back. He's going to get the starting role back once he's healthy. It's questionable now. It's very questionable. But should he? I mean, what has, oh. te- what has Teddy done to make you think that they should go back to Drew Brees? It's not like you've seen a slip in this offensive production. I know. I mean, I in know. The first, you could say that, that that first game where he came in against the Rams, Rams were just playing very, very well at that time. Right. And it was a struggle. And then move on from that. Teddy Bridgewater has gotten better and better each week. And it looks he looks more comfortable in the offense. This is the first time, I think, this week. He's looked good. But this is the first time where you saw Pro Bowl Minnesota Viking Teddy Bridgewater come out. And he didn't come out against anybody. He came out against the Chicago Bears defense on the road. That's something. And if you're going to discredit, I don't want to discredit Drew Brees, one of the greatest of all time. No, but no, no. But if there was any, like, I guess, bugaboo about Drew Brees, 
it was his inability or lack of ability, I should say, to play on the road, especially in tougher environments. Teddy Bridgewater doesn't have that problem. We've seen it before. We saw Alex Smith go down at the top of his career for Colin Kaepernick and led him to a Super Bowl. We've seen it as far back as Drew Bledsoe going down when he was one of the top quarterbacks in the league for an un- for a sixth-round pick in Tom Brady. Some guy from Michigan. I don't know who he is. I mean, obviously, they, in hindsight <laughs> now, it's like, well, it was Tom Brady. But at the time, it wasn't Tom Brady. It was, we, who's this Brady kid? We have this proven commodity in uh, Teddy Bridgewater, who's already led a team to a, a playoff run in hell. If they had a kicker, they might have still been playing that year. This is a guy that has comfortability with the offense, and he's obviously your future. Uh, they've made it clear that te- they're they're holding on to Teddy Bridgewater because they could have gotten massive draft picks for this guy um, from teams that need him. This is your future. Why can't the future be now when the team is still clicking? People seem to forget that Teddy Bridgewater in 2015 was the leading passer in the NFL with the most touchdowns as well that season. He's right now the top quarterback in terms of completion percentage and quarterback rating so far this year, and he's only played started five games. 100% agree with everything you just said, Alex. But the only difference between that Patriots team and that Niners team and this Saints team is loyalty. Harbaugh had no loyalty to Alex Smith. Belichick had no loyalty to Bledsoe. Sean Payton brought Breeze in here and turned around a franchise who for years weren't on the map at all. He has that loyalty with Drew Brees, and I just don't see... Bridgewater has balled out. Does he deserve to remain the starter? Probably so, especially since going forward, we know that this will be his team when Brees calls it quits. But I don't see Peyton pulling the plug on his man in Drew Brees. What I, what I look at is, you know, I, I think... I agree with what you said about Teddy, and, you know, but I, I would be willing to give Brees the job back. But the fact that you're willing to have the conversation is awesome because that's the conversation that that they had with Kyle Allen in Carolina and Minshew in Foles. They avoid the question here with Breeze, even though uh, Bridgewater has played well. You look at the three of the five games that he started, three games he went over 100 pass rating, which takes in the entire, you know, however they calculated, he had over 100. Uh, his QBR is, is where you would want it to be as well, uh, considering how he plays. And um, he's only turned the ball over twice. There's two interceptions since he started, over 67% completion percentage, 1,300 yards, nine touchdowns, two interceptions like Dave mentioned. And the offense is starting to, to hit that stride because at first it was conservative, and now it's starting to be a little bit more dynamic. They're getting deep shots down the field. He's avoiding pressure and picking up first downs with his legs, and you're starting to see a lot of Drew Brees in Teddy Bridgewater. So the question now for the Saints to me is should we re-up him now because if we let Teddy Bridgewater get to the open market we could potentially lose him so if you're the Saints you have to decide okay do you decide when to uh, up that contract that you already signed and made him the highest paid backup and now you want to keep him there long term and you can't keep giving Drew Brees two years 50 million dollar contracts that he seems to sign every year Um, and that's a big salary cap that's taking up a lot of space for New Orleans but I would probably go back to Brees I wouldn't be in a rush to go back to Breeze. I will wait till Breeze is completely healthy. And yeah. at this point, you have the luxury of not needing to rush him back. I mean, this discussion that we're having is the dream of any NFL franchise, though. When your star guy goes down, your backup is capable of making you question whether or not you have to go back to your star. Remember early in the in the show when I talked about when you 
trust in what you say and you say stuff and you say it with conviction, you just sit back and let it sit. Yeah. When they signed Bridgewater, I said, wow, the Saints have, or traded for him. Mm-hmm. I was like, the Saints have a situation like uh, the 49ers had where you had Montana and Steve Young. The Saints could go from Montana to Steve Young when they traded for Bridgewater. Saints fans and a lot of NFL fans and some analysts and Saints pundits and stuff like that ripped me. You said he's Steve Young. I was like, they have Steve Young-like situation. But uh, since you are here, jackass, I must also tell you that, <laughs> you know, this is a dude that, yes, he's a Pro Bowl player. You brought up he was a Pro Bowl player, played in the playoffs, led the Vikings team. The year he got hurt, they were Super Bowl favorites. And we saw how that fell apart after he got hurt. And so the Saints have the chance to go from a Hall of Famer to a guy that can be on the Hall of Fame track with this offense, with this coach, but a guy could, that can definitely keep this this team in the playoffs because of his play. Let's move on to another quarterback here. We talked about leadership, and I think what gets overlooked in terms of, you know, is young players showing leadership. You know what I mean? You, you, obviously, you talk about the veterans like a Rodgers or a Breeze, and their leadership comes through, you know, from years of experience. It's very rare where you see a young player that has leadership right from the get-go, get-go and that's what we're getting from Lamar Jackson this season. Absolutely. This, this is unbelievable what he's done for Baltimore. This is crazy. Absolutely. And you saw it this week in in their game against Seattle. There was times in this game where his emotion just leaked out of it, and I loved it. There's yeah. only a few quarterbacks in this league that are like that, Phillip Rivers being one of it. No matter what's going on in the game, they have that emotion. And you saw it from Lamar Jackson. There was a couple times this game. One of them was on a delay of game penalty. As, as soon as the ref blows the whistles, he starts jumping up and down, like screaming at his center. But then at the very end, he taps him on the helmet and was like, all right, well, yeah. let, let's get it. And then there was another play. I, I believe it was a, like a third and 18. And what, what do we say? Superstars want the ball in their hands in, in grind time. And that's exactly what happened. He called his own number, took rushed it to the right side. And when he was rushing the ball, you know Lamar Jackson isn't, isn't one of the bigger quarterbacks or players in this league. Right. But the physicality that he ran with on that play, you knew that he was fighting for something, fighting for yards, fighting for this team. He ends up getting about 15 yards on that play. They go for it on fourth time and fourth down, and what happens? He calls his number again, gets the first down. He looks like he's leading this team, and this team wants to follow him. I think it's – I'm loving this show, by the way. This is a glorious show. <laughs> um, <laughs> you talk about a guy in Lamar Jackson that he's the type of dude that you would want to play for at any level, high school, college, pro. He is the perfect – teammate as far as a guy that can get you hyped up, a guy that is great as a player, so you're excited to play with him. He gives you a great chance to win, and he says all the right things. Like, he knows, the, you, you saw his reaction after week one when he, he you know, he threw for five touchdowns and 85% completion percentage against the Dolphins, and it was like Not bad for running back, Exactly. Huh? Then he <laughs> saw him in the locker room do the little running back thing. So, he knows the, the narrative that's out there uh, about him. He also understands um, where he has to continue to grow as a player, as a passer. And you could all automatically tell who didn't watch the games or who also decides to go with the narrative that they already had preconceived their head. Uh, you saw this morning on one of the, the, the morning shows where, I mean, can, can he sustain this running the football? He threw, he, he went nine for 20 yesterday. Like, I'm glad you brought that number up because <laughs> five of those drops <laughs> were from uh, Mark Andrews. Uh-huh. One was a touchdown. And it's like, but if but again, 
if this was Daniel Jones, they'd already have up the the who dropped what and you know how accurate the ball was despite his drop. They have all the advanced statistics, like you know, uh, according to Pro Football Focus, when the arm target. I, let me backtrack. <laughs> <laughs> I saw something that I had. I always screen capture and save stuff on my phone, and I was going through, like, deleting videos to clear up some memory. And I saw a screen capture I had for when Josh Allen was coming out in the draft um, and the, that junk sports science show that's on ESPN. Uh, they had – they had they was doing the Josh Allen special, and they had a, they had a fingertip grade on Josh Allen. A fingertip grade? When he threw the ball, the ball left his finger. Like his, the it stayed on his fingertips. Uh, yeah, two point something second, which is the best in the class. Like, what are we doing here, folks? Like, <laughs> what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? So that, I'm saying that all the advanced stats would have came out if this was somebody that they liked. But now they are having trouble in admitting that they were wrong about Dak, admitting that they were wrong about Bridgewater. Admitting that they were wrong about Lamar Jackson, admitting they were wrong about Deshaun Watson, admitting they were wrong about Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson, admitting they were the only person they left. Here's the thing: I saw an article this morning on the Athletic, and you guys know I write for the Athletic mm-hmm. too, of course. Um, and you know, Michael Salfino, good friend of mine, good dude. We actually had a good back and forth article about Gardner Minshew last week, and we're going to have one about Lamar Jackson this week, uh, just to give you guys a heads up. But his article today, like as we're recording this, I saw it pop up on the article. And this is what he said about Lamar Jackson. Boy, am I, I wanted to punch through the, the, the laptop. <laughs> here's what he's saying. He was like, here's his passing numbers since the Miami game. Week one and week one, 119 passes, uh, you know, uh, 195 passes. He completed 119, 1,300 yards, 6.8 yards attempts, six touchdowns, five interceptions. And a passer rating of 80.8. I think his overall fantasy scoring is something that you can project the rest of the way um, and probably the next couple of years. Maybe not this productive, but at least the shape of his scoring. But you can't play like this until you're 30 or even the most, or even most, or even like most franchise quarterbacks until you're 35. It can all end basically in one play like it did for RG3. Bro, how many dudes we just, we just saw Patrick Mahomes get hurt on a quarterback sneak? Yeah. We've seen quarterback after quarterback get hurt in the pocket. When have we ever seen Lamar Jackson get hurt? This stuff right here is just, just – when you're a hater, you already have a hater's perspective on everything. Well, I want to, I want to give you something here. And this is here. a hater's comment. I want, to, I want to give you something here from uh, Evan Silver from Establish the Run. He put out this, and this is, this is not a hater, but I'll get to the haters in a second. He says this. This is on Twitter from a few hours ago. Any list of MVP candidates that does not include Lamar Jackson can be discredited completely. Five and two Ravens have the only one quality wide receiver and he's injured. Their top tight end, a rotational player, has been hurt and left a lot of ton of yards on the field. Their D has been severely underperformed with the exception of yesterday. True. 100% true. And we said that a couple weeks ago when we talked about early MVP candidates, way too early MVP candidates. But now we get to the haters. One comment underneath. Miles Boykin could be carrying this team if only they fed him. Here's what I here's what I, here's what I, here's what I like. <laughs> they only scored one offensive touchdown yesterday in their only impressive win. The Ravens are better than getting credit for, but MVP talk, hmm, idiots. 
Before I give anybody credit for saying Lamar Jackson should be in the MVP rating, I need to go back and see their draft grade on Lamar Jackson because <laughs> it's conveniently easy for people to come out here and say, oh, yeah, he's playing great. He's an MVP guy. These are the same people that said Mahomes wasn't going to be anything in the NFL. Same people that said Deshaun Watson. These are the same people that told you Mitch Trubisky was better and more pro-ready than Deshaun Watson who beat Alabama essentially twice. And, and, and they yeah. gave – they put Trubisky. We saw Trubisky, but I'm just saying, like, yeah, it's great to say the right thing, but where are you when it's happened? Well, I'm not sure about that, but I want to get another. <laughs> there's another one underneath it. This is just great. Agree, but they still won't win anything because he's a mediocre passer. Hold on, there's a whole exchange here. I, somebody who's defending Jackson now. I don't think many mediocre quarterbacks have had a perfect passer rating yet this season. Someone else jumps in. Geno Smith. Marcus Mariota, Ryan Tannehill have all had perfect passer rating games in their careers. One good game against a bad defense doesn't mean anything. To which the person defending him says, oh, they did that in 2019? Oh, wait, that's right. Lamar Jackson's the only one to do that. But here's the thing, too, man. Like, <laughs> Just like I brought up the dumb uh, retort about the 9 for 20 yesterday, same people say, well, he threw three picks against the Steelers. If you watch the damn game, <laughs> two of those would have been easily reversible Pass interference plays. You mean they should do their research? I hate it, bro. God forbid they do some research on it. The stat, Lamar, stat line's just easy to read. That, that's that's the easy. That's <laughs> At the least people out. can read. Lamar Jackson's arguably the most athletic player in the game right now, and everybody, one hundred percent, everybody who's saying that he's not going to last, this, that, and other. The fact of the matter is, if you watch his game, he can get it done in the pocket. He doesn't need to because he has his legs. If, God forbid, he does lose his running ability, he can't run the ball as much as he does, he's still going to be able to bounce around in the pocket, escape the pocket, and get it done behind the line of scrimmage with his arm. Imagine him going from Michael Vick to Teddy Bridgewater. I'll take it. That's what I'm saying. Michael Vick had one of the most underrated arms in history, but everybody only talked about was his running. He had a cannon. He had an absolute. too. I mean, granted, in Madden 2004, I just ran four <laughs> verts and just ran with him for touchdowns for 55 yards. Madden 2004, I put him in at running back. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, it, it's incredible what Lamar Jackson's been able to do. He's got 11 passing touchdowns this year. He does have five picks, but as you said, not all of them are his fault. But again, if Lamar Jackson was Lamar Wentz, They'd have all of the, yeah. Well, you look at the, you know, if the right guard makes the block, or Lamar that pass he throws right to no, or Lamar Jones. You just saw, you just saw <laughs> Daniel Jones in in this very, just this very, a few weeks ago, people were making excuses about the three intercepts he threw against New England, why he didn't have his full complement of receivers. Yes, but that doesn't mean you throw the ball directly to Stephon Gilmore. That's a you problem. That, that has nothing to do with you out there with your fourth and fifth options at receiver. I think we've had enough. I think we've gone through our hot take segment already here. I think, I think well, we've gone through that. The, the league is filled with hot takes when you look at uh, the NFL media. There's just a bunch. absolutely beautiful. Now, before we get into the Week 8 preview, we have a, I have a little trivia question for you here. A little trivia question that hopefully, I... Hopefully you don't forget it like you did. Well, I, well, I took a photo of this one. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this to you. This is... Super Bowl they in I'm on the Super Bowl in nineteen seventy seven. Okay, nineteen seventy seven. Is that Dallas and, and Cowboys? I mean Cow- Cowboys Dallas and Broncos. There you go, yes. Yeah, Cowboys, Broncos was in New the, Orleans. Was the first I'm a, I'm a, keep that's, going. That's was impressive. The, that's impressive, right? That's that Super Bowl was the first time two players from military schools lined up against each other 
in a Super Bowl. Who were the two schools? Stallback was one, so that's Navy. That's Navy. That's correct. Who was on the defensive side of the ball facing him in that Super Bowl, and what school did he come from? So are you, Emery. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's before everybody here was born. Um, oh, man, I, I'm stumped because I, I would be willing to guess it would be the at least Citadel. The school. Citadel. I'll, I'll give you three strikes on this one because it's tough. Citadel, wrong. Strike one. Well, it's only three <laughs> goddamn minutes. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Uh, Army? Nope. Air Force? Nope. The Merchant Marine Academy? Never would have got that one. Sam Rizzo, who was a graduate from there, and I only know this because my dad was at the Springfield College Merchant Marine Academy game, and it was in the program. Was the first time a that was the first time two military school players faced off in the Super Bowl: Navy and Merchant Marine. Now, is that one of those ESPN stats like they did be having? Like you know, LeBron James is the first player in NBA history to score twenty points on a Tuesday night after <laughs> the season finale of Friends. Like, is that one of those ESPN stats? No, no, this was in the okay. program from Merchant Marine, so that's where I got it from. So, there we go. There's your football knowledge for the day, folks. There's your NFL knowledge. Let's go into Week Eight now, and let's start. I like how I knew the the, the game in the city too. By the way, yeah, that one. It's a good thing I mean, that wasn't the truth. Should have. I mean, yeah, you're the only one that had any close memory of that whatsoever. Uh, let's get into let's get into the Week Eight preview, guys, and let's start with the Thursday night game. Redskins taking on the Vikings. Redskins, they showed some flashes. We mentioned that the running game may be got a little bit better last week. The Vikings, though, continue to, you know, Kirk Cousins, you know, MVP candidate Kirk Cousins has been outstanding the last couple of games. Vikings look like they're in a good in a good direction. Listen, as much as I, I joke about Kirk Cousins, the, this is what he's shown you the last couple of weeks is exactly the mentality that we always talk about that you have to have. He you does have to this, play with. though. He does this all the time. Caveat, he doesn't do it against good teams in prime time. This is not a. This is a primetime game. Yeah. So, cousins going back to Washington. This is going to be interesting. <laughs> All the very interesting. Well, Minnesota's at home, so at least he doesn't have to I'm deal sorry, with that. I'm sorry, taking on Washington. But still, yeah, that's going to be interesting for sure. Yeah, I mean, he's going to want to just air raid <laughs> this team, uh, but possibly no feeling in this game though. So yeah, yeah, it sounds like Thielen. Sounds like it's a minor hamstring injury. It sounds like he will not miss a significant amount of time for you fantasy owners out there. But he will not play, it sounds like, on Thursday night. Let's move to Sunday now. And uh, the place where hopes and dreams are crashing down around everyone, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The Falcons 1-6 and six, hosting the Seattle Seahawks, looking to bounce back after their loss to Baltimore. This could get really ugly really fast for the Falcons. You hate that Dan Quinn's job is in jeopardy, you know, considering he was in the Super Bowl two years ago. I think a little bit premature. They just have to get better defensively, and hopefully they can find a way to get better defensively against one of the top rushing offenses in the game in, in the Seahawks. Yeah, this Seahawks defense is going to be looking to put a hurting on the Falcons, especially since they just got gashed by the Ravens. I'm looking for them to pin their ears back and do all they can to get back to whichever quarterback is going to be starting for the Falcons. Yeah, definitely a get-right uh, game, back game for, uh, for, the Fal- uh, for the Seahawks where – Russell Wilson and company didn't look like themselves. Uh, this is the perfect opportunity to get back on track. Moving up to Buffalo, Eagles taking on the Bills. Buffalo, one of the best stories that no one's talked about this year. Easy one of the top five defenses in the NFL. It doesn't get any easier for Carson Wentz and the Eagles. Yeah, this is going to be a really good game. Probably a must-win game for Philly. And if you're Buffalo, you're sitting there, hey, this is a game where people can stop, people can get off our backs. 
we lost to the to the New England Patriots. So people say, oh, you're just beating up on you know winless or bad teams. Here's an opportunity to get a win against a very good Eagles team. I still think it's a very good Eagles team. Yeah, this is going to be a good game. This is going to be, like you said, a chance to, for the Bills to prove that they're legit against good competition. Eagles may be 3-4, and four, but they're going to, I think, still think they'll finish with an above 500 record. But for the Eagles, they're going to, like, this is, a, this is a must win at week 8 in the NFL for them if they're going to stay in contention for the division. We're going to learn a lot about the Eagles in this game, uh, the way they can bounce back. We just saw a Miami team throw up 21 points on this Bills defense, so they're not—they're very—they're still a very good defense, but it's not impossible to move the ball, especially that was Ryan Fitzpatrick. So Carson Wentz and company need to figure it out and get right in this one. Up to Chicago for this next game, the Bears taking on the Chargers. Chicago's defense looked vulnerable last week. We haven't seen that for a lot of this season, but if there's a, t- a team that you can bounce back against, it's probably the Chargers. And vice versa. If you're the Chargers, you can probably have a good defensive day against Chicago's offense. We're going to learn a lot about both teams' coaching staffs in this game. I still think Anthony Lynn is one of the best coaches in the game, is able to turn things around, but the Chargers got to find a way to get out of their own way against Chicago. Yeah, the Chargers' running game has been non-existent since Gordon has returned, and the Bears have been gashed on the, in the running game, in, for their running defense at least. So it'll be interesting to see whether Gordon could get it going in this one. And on the flip side, this is a chance for the Bears' offensive uh, running game to get going as well. The Chargers do not stop anybody on the run. You haven't been able to get Cohen or Montgomery going this year. This should be a point of emphasis going up against the Chargers team. To Ford Field in Detroit, the Lions taking on the Giants. We'd like to what the Lions did early in the season. They've now lost a couple in a row. Daniel Jones has been inconsistent to say the least for the G-Men. This is another game, though, that's critical for both teams because they're both still very much in it for a playoff spot. Yeah, the Lions got to find a running game. They have to find a way to run the football. Carryon Johnson is going to be out in this ball game, so the Giants' defense has a chance to get well against Detroit. Yeah, Giants got gashed last week. It'll be interesting to see what the Lions can do. But the Lions have dropped a couple of games, but they were against good teams. And I wouldn't cl- uh, classify this Giants team as a good team. So I'd look for the Gi- uh, the Lions to really take it to them in this one. Daniel Jones and company, we know the turnovers and everything that's been going on, but this is a defense that just gave up 42 points until he proves it otherwise to Kirk Cousins. So Daniel Jones and company should be able to, with the full, with everybody back, with Tate and possibly Shepard and Engram, this is a game where you should be able to put up some points. We move now to NRG Stadium in Houston. The Raiders taking on the Texans. We thought the Texans were moving in the right direction. They drop a game this past week. Raiders don't know exactly what to expect from them. They're at 3-3. Three at three. Both teams kind of in the middle, trying to find some momentum. Kind of find that, mo- trying to find that momentum, and you know, again, the Texans are, are a good football team. They're going to be a playoff team. The Raiders, surprisingly, they play competitive football. And I know the game last week against Green Bay didn't show it on the scoreboard. They were in that ball game until the car fumble. We'll see if they can play consistently for four quarters. Yeah, and goal line fumbles seem to play card. They, they're relying heavily on this run game. Josh Jacobs is making a strong case for Rookie of the Year. Can he keep doing it against this improved Texans defense from last year? But Deshaun Watson has been balling out as well. He needs to stay away from the turnovers if they're going to make this a game. Yeah, the Texans offense need to get the running game going a little bit more. We've been saying see some more Duke Johnson. Again, he averaged more than Carlos Hyde last week uh, between the two of them. This is a game where to take some of the honus off of Deshaun Watson doing everything, they need some help in the running game for, uh, for this one. Let's move now to Florida. Jets taking on the Jaguars. A lot of focus is going to be on the Jets offense, but the real question is can the Jaguars running game continue to produce against this tough Jets defense? 
Here's the thing about the Jets' defense. They're aggressive at all times. You know, when all else fails, blitz and, and blitz some more. So we'll see if, if they're going to put the heat on uh, Gardner Minshew and what he can do to supersede that because I think it's going to be more about him and less about Leonard Fournette in this ballgame. They're going to need Minshew to have some Minshew mag- magic. Yeah, because this Jets' defense is pretty good, especially that front seven. I think that they're going to hold Leonard Fournette in check for the most part and these other wide receiver these wide receivers and Minshew are going to have to step up big time but this is probably going to be one of the better defenses other than the Bills and the Patriots it's third tough defense in a row for Sam Darnold yeah for uh for the Jets defense you know Greg Williams is going to come out after a rookie quarterback like Minshew he's going to throw it all out there on him they're going to point make a point of emphasis to stop the run game to force Minshew to beat them and just like you said with Sam Darnold this is going to be another tough defense to go up against no Jalen Ramsey anymore which is a plus but still a very tough defense we move to London Wembley Stadium will be the site for this one the LA Rams taking on the 0-7 Cincinnati Bengals why does it always seem that London gets the really bad teams to get sent over during the season but (laughs) for LA um, a little bit better performance last week. What are we looking for the Rams for this week? It's funny because when I first looked at this game on the schedule, I was like, why in the hell is L.A. playing at 8.30 in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then I realized it was in London. So should be a good game. Uh, the Bengals at some point will get a win, so we'll see. So I, I just have to hold out hope that they'll get it turned around because A.J. Green had an ankle injury. You know, I know Saquon Barkley Superman. You can't judge that by – that just like everybody just thought that when you tear your ACL, you should be like Adrian Peterson and come right back, yeah. right? So maybe he's, he was more hurt than, than been led to believe, but they definitely need him back. This, I mean, this is a London game. Crazy stuff happens in London. <laughs> we have the Rams traveling across the pond. This is going to be an interesting game. The Bengals tend to seemingly be in the games late, and they just throw it away in the end. Can Dalton get it done? No. <laughs> yeah, say that now watch they only win by a field goal yeah Lon- london is the uh the wild card here that factor in this but if this was on u.s soil uh i just the way the Bengals have been playing and the way the rams looked like they got right a little bit and the jalen ramsey effect um this one wouldn't look too close aj green would help big time to take away jalen ramsey and open up some things for the other receivers but i don't know about if he's not there everything in london is backwards they drive on the wrong side of the road they use the metric system and nothing goes right with nfl games let's move on to (laughs) new orleans two teams going in very good directions right now the cardinals taking on the saints this has turned into three or four weeks ago. This game would have been a blowout. Now this is going to be a very good ball game to watch. Cardinals could quietly be sitting at uh, five and three, four, three and one. No, five and three because they should have beaten the Baltimore Ravens. True. They were inside the red zone. True. Had a series of, of bad uh, play calls. They are winning the. It looks. Shout out to the Cardinals GM for acknowledging they had an issue with Josh Rosen and got the right guy in there. They've yeah. already surpassed touchdown score last year. Murray has already looked better than Josh Rosen, and the team has already done better than what they did last season. So kudos to them. This is going to be a very tough game for New Orleans. Yeah, in the beginning of the season, the Cardinals were sitting at over under five wins for the season. And it looks like they're definitely going to hit the over. The matchup in this game I'm going to be looking for is Patrick Peterson versus Michael Thomas in this one. And who's going to be the starting quarterback? Is it going to be Bridgewater? Is it going to be Breeze? Whoever it is, if Patrick Peterson neutralizes Michael Thomas, this is going to be a long day for that Saints team. And we're going to learn a lot about Kyler Murray and this offense going into New Orleans, a tough place to play, uh, going on the road um, to play this Saints defense that's been one of the best in football this year. See if he can uh, continue to go up and up as they have been. 
an interesting game to be sure in Nashville. Bucks taking on the Titans. Say what you want about Tannehill. He led the Titans to a win last week. They're trying to get back to 500, and they could do it against Tampa Bay. That was a good goal line stop by Tannehill on uh, <laughs> outstanding job stuffing the run right there. But this is going to be a great game for Tampa Bay because we hadn't seen them since they played in London, but things got out of hand for Jameis Winston. And if he wants to make a case and not end up like Marcus Mariota, he has to stop turning the ball over, and this could be a good game for him to not do that. So we'll see which Jameis Winston shows up. Yeah, I was looking forward to this game a couple weeks back when we talked about both quarterbacks taking one and two in this draft. Who would get pulled first? <laughs> and we got our answer. This is going to be interesting. The Bucks' defense was play- was getting better until that game in London, as was Jameis with the turnovers under Bruce Arians. Can he, can he go back to playing how he was in the beginning of the season, not turning the ball over? It's going to be a big game for Jameis Winston. Bruce Arians coming off a bye, uh, a veteran head coach, the extra week to uh, prepare for this game get your quarterback right so if Winston and company can't get right and he starts turning the ball over again might be calling for his head soon too talk about strength versus strength matchup in this next one Panthers taking on the 49ers 49ers defense we know what to expect Carolina Panthers run game we know what to expect who wins this well the Panthers head coach Ron Rivera has just announced that Kyle Allen will be the starter against the 49ers so Mm. I need to know which Garoppolo is going to show up. You know, I, I'm still on this. I'm not taking the focus off him. The smoke is still on Garoppolo because you don't want this to be like the NFC's version of Buffalo where the defense is quietly leading the way and your quarterback could potentially hold you back. And right mm. now, Garoppolo is potentially holding them back. That's exactly what this is right now, the NFC's version of Buffalo, because Garoppolo is do he's game managing right now. He's doing just enough for the Niners to get – the win and my hot take i'll throw it out there right now the niners are not the best team in the nfc west i, I agree i agree with you i agree with you on that uh, stats say six and oh <laughs> <laughs> stats say 14 and two he still has <laughs> he's still only threw for 142 and put up nine points against the redskins six and oh <laughs> when i look at these two teams it's like it's you mentioned it a couple episodes ago with the spider-man meme just kyle allen and jimmy garoppolo just kind of pointing back and forth <laughs> at each other right here both undefeated and they're both uh, just riding the defense right now so and the run game so uh it's going to be which one caves first uh can mccaffrey deal with that entire front himself or will the three or four headed monster of the 49ers be able to get it done let's move on to indianapolis the broncos taking on the colts Broncos continuing to struggle. The Colts continuing to thrive under Jacoby Brissett. It's another guy we forgot to get into this glorious weekend. Uh, you know, Jacoby <laughs> Brissett playing really well. And it's not just playing well. Like, this dude looks like he's a long-term answer in Indianapolis. I love the way he's playing. The confidence is there. The team believes in him. Denver has to figure something out offensively. And I think, just going a little bit of a soapbox, Elway screwed this thing up with the whole benching of Tim Tebow and trying to get him out of there because he was more afraid of Tim Tebow taking over the Elway mystique. But you're Elway. You're going to always be around. He had the perfect scenario. You bring in Peyton Manning. You let Tim Tebow sit for those two years, continue to develop him. He was already a winner, already got a, got to the playoffs and won a game. When Peyton Manning retired, you could then sell Tim Tebow. We You had him groomed. You got him better. He learned from Peyton Manning. And you would have avoided the Brock Osweiler, the, you know, the Trevor Simeon's, the Paxton Lynches, you would have avoided all of that had you not been, uh, not had your ego get in the way and try to get Tebow out of there as fast as you could because quietly Tebow has been better than every other quarterback that they've had outside of Peyton Manning. 
I'm also going to have to throw a flag on you because you mentioned Tim Tebow three <laughs> times in an NFL podcast. That is two over the limit for well, one podcast. Where's the line, though? Who one of those quarter, which one of those quarterbacks that I just named outside of Peyton Manning got to the playoffs and won a game against Pittsburgh Steelers? I didn't say your point was wrong. I still said you said Tebow too many times. So you just say he who must not be named he blew it, and man. you move on. <laughs> Troy, what do you like in this game? I'm not going to touch the Tebow issue here. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, like I said, Brissett's been balling out. Uh, I look for him to continue to do that. And the question is, what Broncos do defense is it going to show up is it going to be the defense that had eight sacks two weeks ago or is it going to be the defense that couldn't stop matt moore from defeating you yeah you would think with the extra couple days now after the thursday night poundage that they just took that they'll have some extra time to rest up and play this game but the colts uh have just looked so good and have answered every single bell that they uh, have rung on their end so i expect them to handle this game Next up in Foxborough, the Browns taking on the Patriots. If there's one thing we know about Baker Mayfield, despite his struggles this season, when a big game comes around, he is at his best. He's going to have a big chance to knock off Tom Brady and the Pats this week. What do we like in this ballgame? Big chance for the Browns, who may have uh, Kareem Hunt in this game. That could you be know, a difference that could maker. Be, or maybe it's next week, but I think uh, Kareem Hunt has practiced uh, this, this morning uh, with the Browns, so it'll be more of a chance for them to completely ignore the ground game with both Chubb and, and Hunt back there and try to throw a lot against the secondary. We saw how that played out with Daniel Jones and the passing game. Browns should run the football. I don't know if they will. Yeah, we have the number one team in the league, the Patriots, going against the on-paper preseason number one team <laughs> in the league here. <laughs> I, against this defense, I, I can't see Baker Mayfield balling out and stepping up to the occasion in this one this deep this historic Patriots defense is the deal breaker for me my question is which Patriots offense are, are we going to get because we've seen the offense stifled and stutter multiple times this year and take three quarters to finally get it going Bill Belichick just dominates young quarterbacks. And if you're Freddie Kitchens, you need to know that going in. Check the ego out the door. Forget about that you got Odell and Landry a little bit. And feed the running game, especially if Kareem Hunt is back. Let them be the guys that carry you in this game. And that will be their best shot to dethrone the Patriots in New England. We move back to Arrowhead Sunday night. We were looking forward to this game on the schedule. But now the injury bug has come up and kind of robbed us. Packers taking on the Chiefs. No Patrick Mahomes for Kansas City. We know what Green Bay can do. This still could be an interesting ball game, though, if Kansas City's defense shows up at all. Trivia question for you, Dave. Oh, no. <laughs> Which quarterback has led the Miami Dolphins to the playoffs in the last 10 years? Miami Dolphins made the playoffs in the last 10 years? Oh, uh, 2009. <laughs> yeah, I, got it. I got it. I, know, I know the no, answer. No, no, wait. not even 2009. No, I know. No, I, 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 know, I know the answer. So you I'm know the answer. Jets fan, of course. Uh, oh, you, wait, you're a Jets fan too, aren't you, dude? Yeah, but I don't care about the Dolphins at all. all right, so, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want to say it. Matt Moore. Oh, Matt my God. Matt it wasn't Moore. Ryan Teddy. Was it, was, it wasn't your Ryan Teddy. It was Matt Moore. Oh, my God. It wasn't your Ryan How? So, yeah, you're right. We did, we did get robbed of a great game, uh, potentially. So, it's going to be interesting to see what Chiefs defense shows up in this one. This is the daily get thrown under the bus for Dave here. Uh, let's, let's How do you not know that? You just hyped up Ryan Tannehill. Been at I do not know the Dolphins. I do not care about the Dolphins. I am a Jets fan. I have my own misery. Thank you very much. Troy. So, yes, Chiefs defense. Which defense is going to show up? Because if the wrong one doesn't show up, they're in for a long day long with game. Aaron Rodgers back there. With no, possibly no Devontae Adams again. It doesn't matter. 
All he needs is two hand, somebody with two hands, and he's going to get the job done. This is going to be a game where you have to expect every single Chiefs running back on, to be on deck in this one and just be mm-hmm. used heavily. Expect a lot of both Williamses and McCoys uh, because Matt Moore can fit in as a as a veteran backup and make something happen. But you're, if you're going to want big plays to keep up with Aaron Rodgers, you're going to need the running game. Now, I don't think that they're going to rely heavily on the running game. I think that they're going to rely on the short, intermediate passes because mm-hmm. because of all the speed that they have and the wide and the wide receivers they have. Who and at any minute they could take it to the house. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how they play that offensively. Let's move to Monday night. Records say this might not be a good ball game, but there's still a lot of intrigue here. Dolphins taking on the Steelers. The question is, who starts for Pittsburgh at the quarterback position? Because Devlin Hodges stepped up and won the game two weeks ago. They now have the bye week. Is Mason Rudolph ready to come back? You you would hope so because that was a real ugly hit. Like He was legit yeah. out before he hit the ground and was out again when he hit the ground. So maybe they maybe he's back after you know three weeks now removed from the concussion. But either way, they should have some success against the Dolphins. I'm more excited to see the Steelers' defense continue to what they, do what they did uh, prior to the bye. They were getting better. You hope the bye week didn't just kill that momentum for them on that side of the ball. Yeah, they were getting better. I'm interested in seeing the Dolphins' defense in this one, their, their team pretty much, because as we've seen week and week of the Dolphins' play, it seems like they're playing better late and late into the, later and later into the game. The first half of the season, they were atrocious. And then as games go on, they played a good first half. Games go on, they play a good third up to the third quarter. And this past week against the Bills defense, they played almost a complete game and then blew it in, in the fourth quarter. So it's going to be interesting to see whatever quarterback is starting for the Steelers, if he can get the job done. Yeah, this is going to be – this could be a sneaky, really good game because when, right when you doubt Ryan Fitzpatrick – and put everything against him, he steps up. You gotta give him you gotta give the man his credit. I mean it's it's when you think he can lead you and then that's when things go downhill. So with the uh with the fact that nobody expects anything from this team, that seems to be Fitzpatrick's uh motive. He might do something here to make it at least interesting. And of course the Cowboys and the Ravens both on the bye this week. Folks, that's gonna do it for the NFL All thirty two podcast. Don't forget you can listen back on any of these podcasts on SoundCloud and iTunes. Also if you want to have a Twitter discussion, you can just send that to F-Ball Game Plan, and you can uh, ask him all of your questions of whether or not that's a clown question, bro. Just be ready for the clapback, though, because my clapback game is vicious, but people just seem to sleep on it because I don't, I don't, you know, I keep it professional. But, but, but have when, I, when I have time, when I do have the time, <laughs> I do let it fly. See, here's the thing, folks. If somebody hits you with a fact and have, wants to have a discussion, have the discussion. Just, just go back and forth. You might learn something. You might be proved wrong. Who knows? Just have the discussion at least. But have facts as well. Yeah, because if that you is always helpful. Yeah. It's always get destroyed. <laughs> you will get destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, that'll do it for us. For Troy Anthony, Alex Marinoni, the czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt, this is David Hassig, and enjoy week eight. Thanks for listening in.